And so if I can tell Neville to get in the back seat and not drive the show, then everything is easier for everyone around me in my life. Hello, you're listening to Truthbook with me, Catherine Smith, a mum and clinical psychologist. I am on a mission to get us more connected, sharing real stories about family life. You will let out a sigh of relief knowing it's not just you, be empowered by other people's words and share a giggle at the funnier side of family life. And in this episode with Tasmanian author, mother and all-round country girl, Rachel Treasure, we hear her stories of being launched from a toxic patriarchal society into single parenting, find out who Neville is and how Rachel connects with Mother Nature through regenerative farming. And Rachel didn't hold back with her truth book confession. If Rachel's reference to Num Nuts confuses you, check out the first episode where my husband explains all. I'd like to welcome Rachel Treasure to Truthbook. Uh, I met Rachel through mutual farming friends in Wagga Wagga, which is a great Australian place name. And it was a Truthbook moment. I thought, wow, a famous Australian author who runs a regenerative farm in Tasmania with a loving partner and two teenage children. But Rachel's journey to this point has not been easy. She was managing her family farm, writing and bringing up two babies, when divorce and a family decision for her ex-husband to stay on the family farm left her life turned upside down. But through writing and opening up her heart again, Rachel has found her feet and won Tasmanian Rural Woman of the Year in 2007. Her work's inspired by regenerating a 100-acre piece of land with her fiancé Daniel in southern Tasmania. And they're both currently doing a Bachelor of Science in Regen, uh, regenerative agriculture. Aussies like to shorten everything. It's the first course of its kind in the world. So I'm delighted to welcome Rachel to Truthbook. Oh, thank you, Catherine. It's a joy to be here. What were your early challenges that you faced, particularly being launched into single parenting? Yes, single parenting is one of the greatest challenges and growth phases I think a woman can go through. <laughs> and mm. I've Instead of dubbing it like I went through sort of a post-traumatic stress scenario, I like to flip everything and call it my post-traumatic growth period. So we're talking 10 years ago now, and I'm one of these people that tend not to look back, but I made a choice to write every day and to be grateful every day and to lift myself up so I could lift my children up because I didn't want my own inner demons swallowing them as well. So yeah, it, it, it has been one of the hardest roads, but I've got to the, I guess, on a new path, so to speak. And I think my children are better for it as well, for, for the challenges, which sounds odd because most people think divorce is devastating for children. But I think my childhood was an exhibition of when people stay married, the trauma it brings to children if there's not love in that marriage. Yeah, and you've had to work really hard at creating a new role for yourself because having read your, your memoirs, you um, were very much cast into the being a good wife role. And I think from early on, you were almost fighting that classic feminine role what would you say have, have been some of the poignant moments where you've created that role, a different role for yourself? 
Yeah, well, I think it start. I mean, it really everything begins at childhood, doesn't it? In our formative yes. years of pre sevens and pre seven year old. And I remember my dad was developing the farm, and when I was very young, I could see images of the Vietnam War. And then I go to the farm and see the bulldozers and the superphosphate, which they made bombs out of. And then, you know, so agriculture has been founded on this the products of war. Like we stole Nazi Germany's top poisons, and now we use them on our crops. As a, as a little girl, I could I could feel it. I could feel Mother Nature was being brutalized. And then, as I grew, I could feel myself being brutalized by this patriarchal culture that really denigrated me. So I thought if I become a really good wife and a really good mother, I would gain respect and kudos. But in fact, the opposite happened and I lost a sense of myself being a writer takes huge ovaries and I use that in the feminine term instead of Aussie yeah. say we, we need a good set of you know you know yeah you know what I'm talking about you're a numb nuts um <laughs> but I ha- I I think I was brave from the outset and never fitted in the family role and it wasn't until my daughter was born with we, we really don't know what she was born with I think she's a delight but the doctors would say it's cerebral palsy and learning delays and in my feminine wisdom I knew it was connected to these agri sprays that were all around us landing on our roof going in our water tanks so I think the hardest mm-hmm. moment was my dad coming to the door with shoulder to shoulder with my ex-husband mm-hmm. and yeah, and and saying if if you're not coming home, you know, he, he my ex husband would remain. And, and and when I say coming to the door, my children and I were um, homeless for about three months, and my best friend took us in. <laughs> and at the time, my daughter had full plasters on her legs for cerebral palsy treatment, and we were all sleeping in one one bed. You know, so those days were a huge opportunity to reach for that inner. I guess spirituality, that inner light, and start learning how to stand on my own two feet as a woman that represents Mother Earth. Yeah, so that's, you know, it's a long-winded answer, Catherine, but that's where that, you know, they they were really hard years and I'm, and I'm grateful for them. Oh, absolutely. And I think for everyone who's gone through challenges, it's, it's never simple. It can never be summarised in, in a few words. And I, I asked you coming on to this to think about a photo that depicted behind the scenes yes there, I mean there's there's a celebratory photo and it's a photo of my fiance Daniel who mm. had one of the most balanced energy humans you could find he's, he's really balanced and he's masculine and feminine which is um fantastic to find in all humans and it's a photo of him and my two children at the Campbelltown show, which is in the centre of Tasmania where I live. And we're at, we've got two of our aloe burn pole merino rams there that our friends from Wagga Wagga have that we've bought from them. And my partner, Dan, had never handled rams before. So I'd sent him up on his own with two rams on the back of the ute and just I had been absent from the rural scene for 10 years and the smell of wool and being around nature and animals, that's what lifted my spirits. It was such a journey to get to that moment of I'm back and I'm back and I'm transformed. I'm aware from from reading your memoirs and I'll, I'll put them in the show notes, but there was a period of your life where you were taken away from the farm and went to all girls private school and our listeners can find out more but I can really appreciate 
how that must have felt like at your homecoming to be back amongst where you feel you where feel where you belong. I know you have drawn on a huge amount of resources, spirituality, mindfulness, and science. Could you pick out one of of all those supports that you've used that have really helped, or you think that maybe other people going through similar challenges would benefit from? Definitely. For me, it was meditation. I I don't mean sitting on a cushion silently. I mean motherhood meditation where every afternoon right before school pickup, I downloaded a 10-minute, well, I think it was on CD back then. That's how Mm -hmm. old-fashioned it was. But (laughs) I listened to a 10-minute guided meditation and that was enough to get me to the school pickup to get me over the line with dinner and then off to bed. So meditation also led me into finding a greater sense of peace when I'm driving. I still suffer from anxiety, but having said that, I don't suffer now. I kind of embrace it and go, oh, here it is again. And also Julie Cameron wrote The Artist's Way and she recommends journaling Right when you wake up. So I write three pages each morning and that uncovers what who I call my negative Neville. Now Neville's my critical voice within. I'll have to check on my notes whether it's the same author, but also does journaling. So I think it's something I'm gonna have to really yeah, have a think about doing. And it sounds like it gives you that space to just slow down all the busyness of our minds. And I and I love to hear that you say I still have anxiety because that's exactly we're not looking to get rid of it it's just saying hello you're here absolutely it's un- unlocking all those childhood negative messages that Neville likes to remind me of so I'm on the farm and so everything is kind of found online so home yoga I mean COVID really didn't touch our lives too dramatically because I don't go to a gym or go anywhere so all these practices are so accessible if you choose to to make them part of your daily life. Uh, and that's beautifully said, and it's just carving out that time, but it's so important. And you're right, the, when you live on a regenerative farm, COVID is almost what you're working for. You live on a farm where you grow your own produce and you're using Mother Nature. So you were probably quite, quite well positioned. Absolutely well. It's fed in beautifully to my next manuscript because while my children were at home and I was homeschooling, I wasn't a taxi for them anymore. We chose not to watch the news, only to do what we were meant to do locally, you know, what the government was saying for our safety, but we chose not to to watch the news and that's something that we choose, we continue to choose to do, (laughs) yeah. Are you aware that Trump's been elected out? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you couldn't miss that. That's the the time of recording. And what would you say have been some of your best parenting moments when you've had that real sense of connection and love? Oh, that happens every day. I will will not buy into the story that teenagers are troublesome. I just think I've always said to my kids, you are fully grown souls. It's just you have a, a body that's growing. And so... I think what one moment when they were really young, I think I was instilled, you had to be neat, you had to be tidy. The 
my children had thrown yogurt and so I got every week we, we all went outside under this lovely willow tree and and just I, I stripped them off and said go for it with your food you know like rub it all over your bodies like mm-hmm. creativity is so alive in our house there you can bounce balls inside here and you can you know mummy's good at breaking windows <laughs> so I think being able to show my children that it's we don't have to subscribe to the nine to five or to have fancy materials we can have our freedom and our creativity and we can um, earn a living from that or you know not a living where you're flying your own helicopter but it's enough to buy you know, your milk and your your groceries and pay your electricity bill. There's a huge amount there in terms of the nine to five and school and how it can kill creativity. And I know I think for for many people, although the COVID homeschooling was stressful, it did create some of that space. If you could depict, draw an image of yourself in those best parenting moments, what would that look like? Oh, I think I'd look like oh, I'd I'd look like a very serene cowgirl <laughs> in a meadow, and I'd have you know my dogs and my children beside me on ponies. That's how it'd look. It doesn't look like that at all. But my son's got a beautiful kelpie, and he's been so wonderful. He's in training her, so I think I'd have us in a, in a meadow somewhere. Well, of course, with my Daniel, who's who's actually sowing a multi-species meadow as we speak with our partner. Gen practice, yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, that's that's a lovely image. And well, I do. I've, I've seen some good pictures of you in your cowgirl gear, so maybe it's not so far from the truth. But I guess it's those moments that really bolster us for the the harder ones. Which brings me on to when, as a parent, do you find that your buttons are pressed, or you you struggle to have that? <laughs> calmness oh I had one this morning oh goodness me because (laughs) I've got a I've got a deadline for the 27th of November which is in a few days for for those listening later it's in like two weeks time Hmm. and my whole manuscript is due to go to the publisher not long after that and and so everyone else is off well my son's off to school Daniel's off to work and I'm there with the dishwasher and the bench and the the bone that the dogs have brought in that's on the carpet and I and so I have this inner absolute grump that my writing comes last and it and that, so then I start to blame everybody else. So it's it's kind of reining that in and going, hang on a minute, I own my time, I own my space, I can set life up that it serves me and, you know, just leave the bone there. A lot more underneath that, isn't there, that as mums and as women, we feel compelled to, to care and to, to do that tidying and then often find, yes, that your work is, you feel that it's not as important, I think. I could share. I've had a very similar morning. <laughs> how how do you deal with those? Do you run around and try and do everything, and then do your writing, or were you able to put them to one side and say, "No, this is my time." I think because of the journaling, I'm much faster at catching myself in the pattern, and 
I so I took myself off and I picked myself some flowers. Like we've got lovely peas, you know, ornamental peas growing and some roses. And I I just took five minutes to go and pick a lovely bunch of flowers. And I I've left everything, you know, to and and took Rosie off to the cat cafe to write and to just to not feel guilty because I, my mum passed away three years ago and I just mm. remember her when I was, you know my daughter's age, she was always in the laundry ironing my father's shirts, you know, just listening to politics. She could have been genius in in whatever field she chose, but she chose to put herself in a laundry and iron shirts for a lot of my childhood. Is is having making a choice, catching yourself in those moments and, and saying, right, I'm going to do something radically different that will please me, <laughs> even if it's for five minutes. <laughs> Uh, what what does Neville tell you to do in those moments? I wonder is he is he the guilt? <laughs> oh, because you're a disgrace. Your house is you know it's a tip. There's dog hair on the carpet, and you can't you can't fold a pair of knickers to save yourself. <laughs> so yeah. Neville's pretty pretty rough on me with my domestic abilities. <laughs> I, I I think there'll be a lot of listeners that will identify with that. But you were able to say, no, I'm, I'm going to make my choice. And what image would you depict of yourself in those moments where you notice that you're getting caught up in this domestic guilt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I just would have the, you know, the sour face and the scrappy hair and the, you know, the daggy old jumper on. But I know... I've got a friend, Jackie Merchant, she's another author, and we always say there should be a photo, a publicity photo of an author in the back of the book and then the actual photo of the author and what they look like after they've finished the dang manuscript. And so she she sent me a selfie of herself after she just met the deadline and I, my, I sent her one when I'd finished this particular manuscript I've been working on and they're kind of the images of like the ravages of creativity plus motherhood plus animals plus. And so I've already got a couple of selfies that I've sent to Jackie and we're thinking we should publish them alongside the, the slick author promotional photo just to put the reality check on what it is to be an author because it is harrowing. Maybe, maybe we could use one of those as your, your photo. Absolutely, because you you have the glowing, polished, touched up photo to sell the book. But yet, actually, this is what I looked like when I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jackie actually sent a picture with, she'd put two glass pairs of glasses on accidentally. So she'd been focused so much on her work. She had glasses on, but then she put an extra pair on. So she a selfie of her, send me. Like, you just, you get so absorbed in your imaginary world and your imaginary friends <laughs> so it's yeah I, I think yeah there's I've got quite a few photos like that good to see them because they're they're the, they're the photos that actually yeah tell tell us how things are and I'd like to, to just briefly ask you I know it's a, a whole topic in itself but just to put some context on the regenerative farming that you are doing which is becoming a big movement Oh, with the farm now, rain, it's really evident that the management is paying off. And also to, I think, in the behaviour of our animals. Yeah, in, in the behaviour of our animals, in, in the sense that we practice low-stress stock handling, but also their health is so vibrant because we move them every day onto new ground. But what's really been 
fantastic is since, you know, since is re-establishing myself as a person in relationship, so with a partner like Daniel, that it's given me the confidence to actually speak on these matters with authority. Prior prior to doing the Bachelor of Science in Regen Ag, I was I was quite I was like, what would I know? But the land is actually showing us that we it's not that we know, but we, we're following the landscape's lead. So, so for people who aren't familiar with agriculture in Australia, all we see really are the images of drought. Now, drought is a management issue. When you see the ground cover of a regenerative farm and the buffer that gives against drought and bushfire, that, and when you see waterways restored and chains of ponds back into the landscape and marshes and reed beds and birds and insects, the whole ecosystem thriving, by creating a farm like that, you get to change the narrative of Australia, which is like we're battlers against this land and it's a hard country. And it, that's absolute BS, really. The Indigenous people knew this land to be abundant and generous and kind. Yes, they're dry times, but they're, they're yeah, it, it's I think our land is is after three years of this form of management since Dan and I took it on, it's really starting to speak for itself. So that's really exciting. And we hope to demonstrate it by having field days there in the future so people can actually feel it because unless you can see it in a photo but if you walk on land that has been honoured and loved back to life, you can actually feel it inside yourself. I mean, I've been thrown in this in the world of agriculture and it is phenomenal to, to see the journey that you've been on but also the land and having seen some of your photos that you put up the difference that it makes. There's some Western Australian farmers called Ian and Di Hegarty and they have taken on saline salt affected land and grown crops in the most extraordinary way when their neighbours are actually failing to get a, a grain crop and and the grains that they're putting out, they're, they're so packed with nutrients. Like science is showing there's there's ways of t- um, testing nutrient density. So I think the latest science said that they tested a, a stock standard supermarket carrot against the nutritional density of a market garden carrot grown in living soil and you would have to eat 200, 200 supermarket carrots to get the same nutritional benefits as that carrot that's grown in living soil and you know as a mother I'm putting my hand on my heart right now it breaks my heart that that people are unaware that these are the things that we're putting in our children's bodies so hence you know the veggie garden here's got peas and potato and kale and spinach and we've got the free range eggs it's something I've always done for my kids since they were little it's is phenomenal I'm excited for you and I think hopefully as your confidence grows, because you've got the evidence that this works, that you can really, yeah, really bring it forward. So that's exciting, exciting journey that you're going on. What would you say we need to talk more about when it comes to families and parenting? What would be your bee in the bonnet? Bee in my bonnet are the screens. Yeah. Right. Because every time a child hears a, a ding or a like, that's, a sh- that's dopamine in their brain flooding their system, which is like having a glass of wine. So the addictiveness of these screens is, is it's just, it's so, 
dangerous. And the other thing about them is that they're electromagnetics as well. So unless you get your child out on bare soil with bare feet, and so you can counter those negative positive uh, magnetics within your own electromagnetic system because that's what humans are we carbon based and we electromagnetic we're electricity basically we're basically energy so our kids are absorbing all this energy from their screens and their phones and this kind of weird light so that the the screens really get to me and my I was lucky enough where my house that I moved into it was uninsulated no heater but the best thing was it had terrible internet reception so my children never got cooked on screens where and it wasn't until they went to school that the the teachers were handing them iPads and I felt like I've lost my children since they went to a school that advocated screens so I know there's benefits in learning and screens but the skewed way I think you know children as young as eight are seeing pornographic images and being impacted by them and so it's that screens going with hand in hand with sexual identity and sexualization it's that that's my big um big one I just can't understand why we have to have them but anyway for, for children I mean yeah oh I would uh, echo yeah everything that saying it is scary where you live and being on a farm easier to not have that constant time on screens yes and it, and I say that understanding that women in particular is so time poor that it is easier to park your child somewhere with the screen and you see it I have a lot of friends who have um, children with disability just through getting to know them via Rosie and often the screen is the only thing that will subdue them but uh, you know I've seen how horses can do that and chickens and animals so yeah it's finding that balance but it is like you say, there are such positives. I mean, I, I got to talk on a podcast with a leading soil scientist. Who, she was in Montana and I'm in Tasmania and we get to spread the word to other women about healthy living. So so the technology is wonderful, but yeah, it, it is about having boundaries and time limits and really what really being aware of how it does impact your child's cognitive processes as we draw things to an end, you have a heads up on this one, but what would be your confession for us, Rachel? Oh God, there's so many. I've just done so many daggy, ridiculous things. I think the truth book confession, I'll say this um, because I know there's lots of ladies listening, but I'm doing the Mama Gina course and Mama Gina, she's in New York. So every, the time's out of whack and we do these live calls, but she educates you about women's bodies because it's something we just don't talk about she wrote a book called pussy a reclamation and it came out at the same time donald trump was grabbing women in that particular area of their body and so mama gina wanted to reclaim this word that has been thought of as grubby and just empower women so so there i was doing my mama gina course with the earphones in Daniel's fixing something at the kitchen table my son is cooking chocolate chip biscuits and suddenly Mama Gina puts up a slide of full frontal nude not this I'm not talking about pornographic I'm not talking about erotic she put up all these vaginas to educate us just to find our own beauty and so there I am my son is cooking 
chocolate chip biscuits and I'm looking at a screen of eight vaginas. And I thought, this is really weird, but I'm going. <laughs> so it's I not to laugh too much because it will spoil the audio. <laughs> oh, that's, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> you blush I know and we can think of another one if if that's too far gone for other ladies and the, 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 there's a funny story in your down the dirt road which people can read about involving flats but I'll, I'll let them <laughs> yeah um, I, being a, a true Tasmanian we, we have this really bawdy sense of humor so apologies but but there's a seriousness and, and there is a science to it because if we're going to uh, pull the planet out of the 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 dire straits that it's in. It's going to be up to privileged white women like myself to really find my power and really start reclaiming soil and food health. So that's you know that's my driver. So jokes aside, with the Mama Gina stuff, you know it really is empowering. It's watch this space. My impression is once you've become empowered and you're continuing to do that, you're growing in confidence and growing to get this message out there as well. And you're not just preaching a message, you're actually, you're doing it, you're farming way and you're bringing your kids up in a way that you've, you've chosen. I think you've, you've had to discover a difficult way, what your values are as a parent and you've gone on that journey from a, from a challenge. Like I said at the very beginning, you don't, learn to deal with life's knocks if you you haven't haven't had them and that's where you've you said you've really grown from that so thank you very much for coming on Truthbook and giving us some inspiring and funny stories it's been a joy Catherine so good to catch up thanks for listening help me grow the Truthbook community if you enjoyed this episode share it with a friend and subscribe for more episodes or even better, come on Truthbook. Your story of how you've navigated family life will inspire and become part of someone else's family survival guide.